Mr. Nathan Rennie of Concordia University St. Paul with us today on the program and we talk about how to find your purpose in life without going to buy the latest self-help book. This is Matthew Garnett. Welcome to In Layman's Terms. I mean, that can give you a a sense of purpose, um, not just in your vocation and the things that you do every day, but by which you can glorify God and all that you do. Well, we won't have to gild the lily very much at all because when we have Rennie on, he packs the program pretty well. So he's going to be on for the full hour, as uh, Larry King would say. But before we get to all that, let me remind you to go to laymanstermsradio.org. When you do, you will be prompted there to donate, to listen per podcast, kind of like a subscription program. Uh, but yes, for those of you who want to continue to listen to for free, certainly can. I'd encourage you to go to themessedupchurch.org. I always post the podcast there, and I pl- post a player with the latest podcast on there. You can listen for free. But please do consider giving a donation because, again, we get several, you know, many, many downloads. Um, you know, more than Table Talk Radio. They've got like 17. We get, you know, more than that. And so if you gave $5 per podcast, um, per listener, we'd raise a bunch of money pretty quickly for these children in uh, in Kenya for their well. So please, I would encourage you to do that, or you can give a one-time $50 donation through our GoFundMe program. Uh, please do consider donating uh, kind of on that basis, and uh, we would really appreciate it if you're if you're learning some things from from these podcasts. If they're helpful to you, uh, please do, uh, please consider donating uh, that little bit amount of money, so kids don't have to carry water in addition to learning how to do math and read and all that other stuff. Also, welcome to everyone listening on KNNA the Cross in Nebraska. And uh, again, want to encourage you to go to themessedupchurch.org, where we are a contributor there. Um, we're going to be coming out with a blog post there pretty soon on uh, on uh, God's law and why it's important. That's kind of what uh, Nathan and I talk about in this podcast. But like I said, we've got the full hour here for him today and probably one more here in the future. But let's get to this one straight away. Here's Nathan Rennie. So here, here's the question of the week. Um, if you were a cake baker, would you bake a cake for a gay wedding? That's the question of the week. I can't get away from this. It's been two weeks I've been dealing with this question. Oh, uh, what kind of question is that to start things out? I know, right? Well, um, no, I would. <laughs> I mean, uh, well, I might not be a cake baker very long if I had that kind of attitude, would I? So yeah. I think I think I would try to artfully get out of it as best I could and recommend someone else and maybe even try to share the gospel in the process. Because I mean ultimately that I mean isn't that what this whole debate is about? I mean it's not about I don't even want to go towards, you know, the gay issue or anything else. It's just man, woman, we're created by God to be united as husband and wife for life. And why ultimately is that? I mean, what is the what is the core message that marriage gives us? It's that God desires to be united with his people forever, uh, starting now here on earth, having peace with God, and then having peace with him and joy with him for eternity. And so basically every marriage 
every marriage in the world, whether we're talking about Christians or non-Christians, it's it's all basically um, a sign, an, an icon, we might say, of the true marriage. And that's that's really what it's about. I mean, marriage is the gospel, in a sense. I mean, it really is a picture, a very rich picture of the gospel. And so that's that's ultimately why we confess that marriage is a union between a man and a woman. And to say it's anything else is to really rob people of the truth of that message. So that would be my answer. I wish I would have thought of that. <laughs> I think uh, well, thanks. that's a pretty knockdown uh, argument, quite quite honestly. Uh, my my uh, devil's advocate response would be, but it's just baking a cake. How are you, just by baking a cake, how are you taking away from that, degrading that? How are you participating in that sin, et cetera, et cetera? Kind of the... yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, at this point, I think it's kind of, uh, you just kind of go to where the, a lot of the arguments that have already been made. So I'm not saying anything unique here, where I think it really comes down to, it really comes down to the fact that you're not just offering any service, but you're offering something where you really are, you know, putting a bit of yourself into it. And I suppose some people might say, well, a cake, you know, it's just all, you know, it. <sighs> Is it really that big a deal? I mean, you can kind of look at it in a very factory kind of way if you want. Right. But, and you know, and maybe some some cake bake kind of an attitude. But I mean, if you're asked specifically to design a special cake for a, a wedding, that's that's different, I think. I mean, it's one thing if you've got all the, cake, the wedding cakes and they're all in the freezer in the shop. Okay, right. fine. You know, big deal. Go ahead and buy a cake. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, but I think that the people who make that argument that I'm putting a bit of myself into this, I'm putting, uh, you know, my artistic, my artistic gifts into this. And it really is a confession of my faith in a way, because, well, like Martin Luther said, you know, he talked about how the milkmaid milks the cow to the glory of God. And if you're a shoemaker, you know, make the best pair of shoes that you can. Um, And so it just happens that wedding cake bakers are doing something that uh, is going to have, it's going to be artistic and it's going to be sharing a message and it's sharing a mess. It's sharing a message about marriage and anything connected to marriage. I don't really care um, if people aren't Christian, anything connected to marriage is meant to point us to Christ in his church. It's meant to point us to God and his people, God and the creation, because Ultimately, he desires all persons to be saved. Right. It's not just for Christians. Yeah. That's, um, yeah, I like that. Uh, and I, that's why I like hanging out with you because you think of the things that I don't always think of. Because you, it seems like you're always thinking very theologically, probably more biblically sometimes than I, I would think. And I, I look at a, you know, I look at a lot of these situations probably too pragmatically in a lot of ways. And, so what I think about is if I was in, in that given that situation, you know, even getting an invite to somebody's wedding, you know, you know, one of my gay friends says, you know, come come to my wedding. Um, you know, what what message do I want to send to that to that person? You know, if yeah. I if I attend, what 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 am I saying really? By right. you know, what am I confessing to put it in a Lutheran way? 
Yeah. Um, and and I and I'm I'm with you. I think you're confessing the exactly the opposite of what you want to be confessing, which is, yes, I care about you. Yes, I love you. And therefore, that's why I can't do this thing because you're yeah. getting ready to you're getting ready to make something even more permanent than it already is. Um, that is is not good for you. That is not going to be healthy for you in the in the long run. It's not going to. Uh, it's not going to be something that I would encourage you in. And so I, I, you know, just like, well, <laughs> I laugh at uh, Pastor Wolf Mueller, but he says it kind of this way is, you know, if somebody loved to lick tires, you know, would you go to their, their official tire licking ceremony or would you say, now, wait a second, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't something we want, you know? So, I mean, you know, kind of putting it that ridiculously, um, you know, maybe a, a stretch, but, but at the same time, I think the principle holds that, I, the way it, it's a very Western thing, you know, especially in the past 20, 30 years, 40 years since the 60s to to talk about love in a way that if you don't, if you say no to somebody, that's not loving. Right. Right. Uh, if you say yeah, no, not, I don't. Nothing I don't, could be further from the truth. Right. So that's I think that's the difficulty we run into as Americans, you know, especially our generation is. It's abrasive to me, you know, especially, well, especially given my, all the nonsense I've been through, it's, it's still difficult to me to say, well, no, that's not the move for you. It's, you know, it's not even so much of a, this is, this is what I have a hard time articulating to, to people who are kind of caught in that mindset is this isn't about me and my righteousness and my holiness. That's really not the point. Although that's a piece of it. You know, I, I don't want to be seen as complicit in sin, but really the right. bottom line for me is I care about you and I want to do the right, right thing for you. And if I, if I participate in this, if I celebrate it, um, is that the right thing uh, for you? So anyway, right. yeah. If we don't proclaim, if we don't proclaim the richness of the gospel and we don't, we don't act in accordance with the things that confess the gospel uh, most deeply. We're not helping anybody. We're, yeah. we're ultimately not. We're ultimately not showing them love, and that's an answer that the world is never going to understand. I mean, uh, there. You might be able to. Uh, you might be able to convince your friend that you still care about him, but you also might lose your friend. Um, yeah. You know. You want it. You want to. You want to break that news is as kindly and gently as you can. Um, cause obviously, you know, you don't want to, you don't want them to flee from you. Nobody wants that. I mean, no Christian wants that, but that's the kind of thing that, that we might have to put up with more and more, I think in the coming years, sadly enough. Yeah. And what's, uh, what's interesting is that when, when somebody that that's what, it seems like we want to do as even as human beings is we want to be comforted in our in our in our sin. We don't want to be comforted by the gospel. So if we can if we can get you know this is like addicts you know alcoholics alcoholics love to drink around other alcoholics because they're like oh look at all these alcoholics you know I'm I'm fine the way I am. Um, yeah. And and it's not until somebody who is caught in a sin hits hits rock bottom really you know as we would say in the kind of the recovery field I guess if you will that they that they finally you know when they finally the law finally convicts them and you're not doing anybody any favors by by softening that or taking the edge off of it 
you know, again, I think we can do this in kind and gentle ways and, and as kindly as we can, but you're right. We're going to, we're going to lose, we're going to lose people on this one. It's, it's just not something we can, we can win on. And, um, I don't, I, it just, yeah, I'm glad, I, I'm glad I got your answer on this because it's, I, you know, it's one of those things where, you, you know, you see things and you're going, there's something just not quite right about that. And you can't quite put your finger yeah. on it, but I think you pinned it down pretty well to say that we're not doing anybody any favors. <clears throat> we're really not bringing anybody any closer to Christ or any closer to the gospel by by doing those sorts of things. And can they be mishandled? Yes, they can be mishandled. Can we be cruel about them? Yes, we can be cruel about them. And I would like to see Christians talk more about uh, about that aspect of it, that we the reason we... Uh, would reject that uh, an opportunity like that or a situation like that, or we might say, no, we don't think that same-sex marriage is a good thing. It's not because we're trying to protect our turf or protect, you know, our personal righteousness. Again, although that's part of it, I think there's something to be said for for defending our values and defending what the the Church of Christ stands for and doesn't stand for. I think that's perfectly biblically legitimate. Uh, but at the same time, the overarching factor there is love. Is to say, you know, we're not gonna. We're not going to go there with right. you. We're going to say no in this situation. Um, and I and I think if 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 the Holy Spirit is granting repentance to somebody, that ultimately that that will be, you know, I again I used to work with addicts, and I don't know how many times I've heard addicts say, "I'm so glad that night I came to your house where I was high, and I wanted you to put yeah. me up when you just kicked me out on the street because that was the time when I said, "Okay, I'm sick of this. I'm gonna I'm gonna get help." You know, so right when people are at the end of their rope, right? And what was Jesus known for? Jesus was known for the guy who hung out with tax collectors and sinners. So we know that some people who were, you know, enmeshed in a life of sin and everything else, we know that they were attracted to Jesus. Sure. Uh, we know that, uh, I mean, yes, Jesus was rejected by many, uh, particularly the religious leaders and others, but then there were others who they were ready to listen. You know, they knew that something was wrong and they knew that this Jesus guy cared about them even though he yeah. had hard words i mean i'm sure that <laughs> i'm sure that uh jesus was saying all kinds of things that i mean got their attention and convicted them and everything else but right. yet guys like zacchaeus Clary, and right. you know hey yeah. there you are i'm coming to your house today yeah. so i mean uh yeah when the holy spirit grants uh repentance and faith to people and we always want to be ready for that. I mean, that always might be in the cards. Yeah. And we pray it is. Right. Well, and yeah, my probably one of my favorite passages in all of Holy Scripture is um, is Luke 7, where the, where the woman of the city comes and, and weeps yeah. on Jesus' feet. And, you know, and he's talking to Simon the Pharisee and mm. says, you see this woman, her, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. And that's, that's you know, she was at a place where she didn't want to be in that sin anymore. She, she wanted yeah. out. And, um, and that's, that's, what, that's what, what Christ grants to us is that when we're at that place where we just, we're, we're done. We, you know, we, we, right. want, we want forgiveness of sins and we don't want to live in that sin anymore. Um, and, and Christ provides a way out. And that, that's why I think the sinners were attracted to her. I will say this, uh, that, that I do know that guys like you and I are are in danger of being like the Pharisees um, because we we do value God's law so much and we see that we see uh, the the very 
need for um, for God's law being preached to people and people being instructed in God's law and for them following what the commands of Holy Scripture teach. Um, and I, it's you know, and again, we're you know, we're Lutheran, so we put this emphasis on justification that that I think is great, that it's very uh, you know very much needed, uh, and ha- you know has changed Christen- Christendom for the better. Uh, but then you know, there's the other there's the other ditch to fall into, that that to say that the only thing that there is is justification. That's all we should talk about is justification. Like. Uh, I love what right. Doctor Scare says about this. We we absolutize justification, uh, but in, in reaction to that, what we do, what I do, I'll I'll speak for myself. You can speak for yourself, but what I do is, you know, I, I have a tendency to overemphasize the law, and I've you know may not be speaking the gospel where it's necessary sometimes as well. So I think we we have to check ourselves too. I think we're that, that's our danger. That's the danger area for us is to become legalistic, uh, and and really really home in. I don't know. Are you? What, what are you? What are your thoughts on kind of on that? That's my, that's what I would get worried about because again, I I teach the the youth Bible class at my church and I I talk a lot of law, you know, because I'm a guy that came from a bad background, you know, and I don't want to be. I always tell I was kid with them. I'm like, you know, I used to be a real scumbag, and I got, you know. I, I don't want to be a scumbag anymore, and and I want to follow God's law. So I talk a lot about that, Um, but but that's because I've been empowered with the gospel. I understand the gospel, and so I don't know. What do you think? Well, I well I I talk a lot of law too because I got five boys. So I use (laughs) there you go. So I use the first use of the law all the time. Sure. <laughs> the first use, of course, is the curb. The law is a curb to uh, contain gross outbreaks of sin, so that we don't kill or eat each other and things like that. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, I, I understand where you're coming from, Matthew. I think that is a temptation for any Christian, really. Um, any Christian who who uh, you know sees the value of God's law and I mean I think some of these people that we've been that I've been debating with or having uh, rather vigorous discussions with about these things in the past three or four years I mean I think a lot of them really do love the law too I think that they're kind of captive to some some bad theological ideas uh, coming out of Gerhard Ferdy for example uh, we always talk about radical Lutheranism. Ultimately, yeah. that's an issue that comes down to the atonement itself. Yeah. If you look at what Ferdy wrote. Um, on the other hand, I, I have a lot of sympathy for a lot of those people. I still do, even though a lot of them don't want to have anything to do with me anymore. <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't have hard feelings about it. I mean, a lot of people, you know, they've come out of backgrounds that were extremely legalistic. Yeah. And... For them to hear the gospel in the way they heard it was such a breath of fresh air. It was just what they needed. And, you know, and they will not let you take that away from them ever. And the thing is, the thing is, is I don't want to take it away from them. I mean, I hope that I hope that people could understand that. I I, we live from the gospel. That is the only way that we can love God's law. That is the only way that we can desire to run the way of his commandments is when we have peace with God. Um, that's when we're going to actually be 
kind of in sync with the law. I mean, we're always going to be contributing our sin because we're sinners and saints till either Christ comes back or we die. But, you know, uh, it's the gospel that gives us power. And you brought up Luke 7, and I, w- I want to go there again. Mm. And uh, I just love it when... So I teach a class in... Uh, it's called Biblical Christianity for, for Thoughtful Persons. I get to teach it like three or four times a year. And, you know, a lot of... Uh, every So every class, the students have to watch a movie about Jesus. So they might get to watch the Jesus film, for example... Mm-hmm. Or the gospel, or the Gospel of John, or the Passion of the Christ, and I get to hear what you know really stood out to them and stuff. And it, someone always, every class, talks about in the Jesus film, Luke seven. <laughs> you know yeah. that woman who comes into Simon the Pharisee's house or his courtyard or wherever it was, mm-hmm. and starts to, you know, weep and and washes Jesus's feet, and they're like, you know. If he really was a prophet of God, he would know what kind of a woman this is. And then, you know, then Jesus just lays it on. And, you know, and and ultimately he says, you know, he talks about like, well, you know, if two people have a bunch of sins that need to be forgiven um, and the person with the greater debt uh, is forgiven, you know, he explains that basically uh, the person with the greater debt is going to love even more. And right. be more thank and be more thankful, and yeah. so Luke seven, hey man, that's why we're Lutherans, right? I mean, yeah. it's such a it's such a great picture because Jesus is basically saying, you know, what does he say to the woman? Your mm. faith has saved you. Yeah. Your faith has saved you. But that love that she was showing to Jesus, that was the evidence of her faith, and yeah. that's exactly what Simon and the other Pharisees there needed to see at that yeah. moment. Right. So. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, it that's what I have found. You know, it's it's strange having you know come through all those those different worlds and and backgrounds to to finally to finally see how this all fits together. You know, the, the gospel and the law, um, how they you know how they're distinct. Uh, how they they work in tandem, and that's you know you you feel not to get you know this is fantastically un unlutheran, but you know for the after exploring all of that, you know I feel like okay yeah I've I've been given the power to obey the commands of Holy Scripture. Whew, that's great. That I'm really excited about that because I'm really sick of you know. Um, uh, of just feeling like ah, I can I can never do that or you know um, the, the thing that that's that's the problem I kind of had when when I started to raise an eyebrow with a guy like Ch- Tolian Chavichin was like okay wait a second you know I I get the gospel part of it that makes sense um, mm-hmm. but but what I'm finding is I, I'm I love God's law I want to know I mean the commands. You know, uh, I want to know what God teaches in His Word as far as how we were created to live, and and try my best to act in accord with that. Discipline myself, whatever you know, whatever the case may be, um, and and act in obedience. And that's that's a weird feeling for me because I've never wanted to, 
even when I was an evangelical, I didn't want to obey. I was very rebellious, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, I wanted to do my own thing. I want, you know, I, I really, I, you know, I didn't. Ha- I've never had a lot of use for what com- what God commands us to do in Holy Scripture until I figured out if you if you. And again, I'm an extreme person, so when I do something, man, I go for it. So, <laughs> um, so you know, so I disobeyed at an extreme, and when you do that, man, it it'll kill you. It, you know, it almost yeah, it'll it'll get you eventually. Um, and you just you just don't want to live that way. You don't. Uh, and right. so that's that's what I find lacking. You know, you know, even among some of our Lutheran brethren that seem to be, you know. You know, oh, we we don't really emphasize. You know, we know that obedience to God's commands is is part of being a Christian, et cetera, et cetera. But we don't emphasize that, or we don't talk about that part of it too often because we think it's more important that we talk about these things to this audience because they've been beaten down by the law their whole lives, or or whatever the the case may be. And the thing, the, you know, part of the gospel is is from from being an enemy of God's to being his son and wanting to and being a willing son wanting to wanting to obey what what he says to do that's part of the joy of the gospel uh i i think that that we get and i i think that's true in our confessions i think that's true in holy scripture everything luther wrote all the all the you know the reformers talked about that sort of thing pretty pretty widely pretty extensively and it just it if if yes it frustrates me it angers me and it saddens me that that it seems like some of these cats are missing that that piece, and I, I don't know how to I don't know how to get there with them on it. I I, I just don't. I've almost, I'm yeah. I don't know if to give up or what to do. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Don't give up. I yeah. mean, yeah. You might well, have sure. to. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> back off a little bit at least. Yeah. <laughs> I I I think that there really is a real problem there with the theology. I and I think that that theology has really kind of captured and captivated a lot of people. And I think that somebody like Gerhard Ferdy, um, you know, and his disciples, I think that they, they inspired a lot of people. I think that they were pretty compelling people overall, as far as their ability to communicate and to empathize. And I mean, they really won a lot of hearts. I think there's a lot of loyalty there. Um, you know, maybe have a little bit of a, you know, that charismatic leader thing going on. I, I don't know. I, I would like to think that some of the things that I say, people listen to it and they're like, yeah, he's got a point. I'm not going to say it publicly necessarily, but he's got a point. I'd like to think that people listen to some of the stuff I say a little bit. Um, you know, for me, it's, and I think I hope I didn't share this uh, in a podcast that we did about a year and a half ago or whatever. But I grew up in a moderate Lutheran church, and I remember during high school. See, you were the bad kid. I was like the good kid. You know, I was oh, like right the on. one every everyone's like, "Oh, Nate's the pastor's son." <laughs> <laughs> I never really hated being the pastor's kid because I had a good relation, a really good relationship with my parents, and I always, you know, I. A lot of, for me, it's like a lot of the joy of the gospel and receiving the truth of God's word. I mean, that was like, you know, embodied in all the people around me, right? You know, I always saw the love of Christ. Um, I never I never knew or could even begin to comprehend, uh, you know, like a parent, you know, willingly 
harming their children or abusing their children or anything like that. I mean, I was completely sheltered from all of that. I only knew love. I only knew, um, you know, loving discipline and everything else. And so, I mean, I remember in high school just reading the Bible and, you know, kind of trying to do the whole thing and just coming across passages and being like, man, this doesn't sound anything like some of the sermons that I, I've been hearing my whole life, you know. And yeah. it's not that I it's not that I hadn't been taught the law of God. I mean, it's because it was modeled for me and my family. It was expected that we would live in accordance with God's commands. Mm-hmm. But kind of as far as like uh, what I heard in church and then what I heard like reading the epistles or Paul or or John, it was like completely different. And I almost kind of wondered like, man. It's like, am I, am I in the right church here? Yeah. And I had that struggle. I went to college. Um, I'd had a good friend who went a year before me and he had gotten involved with campus crusade for Christ. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I got involved with them too. Actually, uh, they came to my door. I still remember really, I still remember really vividly what happened because they shared the four spiritual laws with me. Of course. <laughs> and and just yeah, yeah and, to, and to start it all out, you know, they asked me like, well, if you were to die today, you know, they gave me the Kennedy question, right? Yeah. You know, what uh, would you, you know, where would you be? Like, and they said, like, percentage wise, what do, what do you think? And I'm like, well, I like, I said 90%, <laughs> you know, and, th- and so I think that was their sign that this man, this man needs to hear the gospel, right? <laughs> and I was actually coming off of the 1992 youth gathering, the LCMS youth gathering, which actually didn't really do much for my faith. <laughs> oh, wow. I, I went, I went there wonders. and I was, I was kind of looking, my, I was a senior in high school. I was kind of looking for some real strong teaching, I think, some real solid stuff that was going to combat you know, some of the things I'd heard from teachers and everything else. And it just all seemed so shallow and limp to me. And I I just really kind of, that was probably the point in my life where I was like the lowest in my, my Christian life. And Mm -hmm. I had, I had doubts, um, you know, some issues like, uh, you know, kind of getting into things that I, I hadn't really gotten into before, like trouble wise. Mm. And, you know, these campers crusade uh, Campus Crusade for Christ guys come and I just remember them leaving the room and I just felt I just felt horrible and I'm just like I it's like why did I tell them 90% God it's like <laughs> I, I, I'm like I know I'm yours I, I know I've been yours since I was a little kid you know and it just it broke me up and I was like uh, anyway, so it was kind of a reorientating experience for me, and I, I ended up getting involved with Crusade for several years, and I started reading my Bible regularly, mm-hmm. and you know, and it was weird because like I'd read the Bible, and then I'd go to these evangelical free services, and the pastor that we had—I think I told you this—he was the son of an ELCA church planter. Okay. So believe it or not, this guy knew law and gospel. <laughs> and yeah. um, and I like to say that I think the evangelicals I knew in college, they were probably like some of the best examples of evangelicals. You know, guys like maybe Oz Guinness or, yeah. you know, just like thoughtful evangelicals who actually did kind of balance God's law and gospel pretty well. And, you know, they wouldn't say anything totally out there to just like, devastate someone's faith. I mean, there were people in the group that I thought were 
you know, kind of a little bit strong and just, but I met so many wonderful people there and it had a real impact on me and it got me into the Bible and it just forced me to, um, wrestle with a lot of these questions and my Lutheranism, but it made my Lutheranism stronger. And so I didn't, I didn't, I never went to a Lutheran grade school. I never went to a Lutheran high school. I never went to Lutheran college. I didn't want to go to a Concordia. I wanted to go to a state school. Um, and but I, I did come out stronger um, in my Lutheran faith uh, because it just got me to ask all the all these questions uh, and, and interacting with all these Christians who who really were uh, some great people. And I know there were people who struggled in that Campus Crusade chapter. And I kind of wonder if sometimes maybe some folks did get some more, you know, quite a bit of law legalism. Yeah. I didn't necessarily experience that from the people I was communicating with, but I know my wife went to college at Stevens Point. I went to lacrosse and uh she actually she had a horrible experience with campus crusade there, you oh, know. Really? It's just the whole like Lutherans are Christians kind of thing, you know. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, I mean right. really. Uh yeah. so so I think it really it's gonna vary. So I yeah. anyway, I, I say all that just to kind of say like, hey, I hear you. <laughs> because yeah. like when I was reading the Bible in college, I, I was just, it was also very real to me. Um, it seemed like it was completely applicable to life. I think right. probably because of the people that I was hanging around with a little bit and you know, the people that I saw like actually sharing their faith and, um, and it was all very inspiring. And I just remember just being eager to get done with my homework so I could read the Bible. And, yeah. and I'll say this too. I've heard a lot of, I've heard Lutheran guys over the years, uh, you know, great pastors on issues, et cetera. And they talk about like their previous life before they became Lutheran or something. And they're like, yeah, I remember, you know, I was always uh, underlining all the law passages Oh yeah, <laughs> in my Bible, you yeah. know, and then I went back to it later on and I'm like, oh, I missed the gospel here. I missed the gospel there. And it's like, well, I was underlining, you know, I'm sure I was underlining a lot of law passages too, but that is all the word of God. And when we know the gospel, when we have peace with Christ, I mean, those passages about, you know, his calling us to be his people and to glorify him in our lives and to share our faith. I mean, that can be also just a real sense of, uh, it can give you a real sense of purpose too. Yeah, and it, it it it's very fulfilling. It's very meaningful to know that you know God just doesn't expect me to, you know, what is it, pray and obey, or I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, pay pay pray and obey, like you know what yeah. the parishioners are supposed to do, and pastor does everything. Right. And uh, no, I mean it's not like that at all. Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing is I think what, what the conclusion I've come to with with us Lutherans is we give the the evangelicals kind of a bad rap because for the most part they do a nice job I mean if even if they're preaching all law it's still God's law they're preaching they're not their law preaching is for the most part fine now you've got your pop evangelicals who are out there preaching nonsense granted they'll let Chris Roseboro handle them right Yep, fair enough. I, you know, <laughs> about as, you know, I, yeah, I, when I first started doing this podcast, you know, I dealt with them and like, oh, that's all law, it's all law, it's all law. Okay, fine, fair enough, it's all law. But the thing, you know, that you know, so take a guy like I don't know if you're familiar with Stephen Stephen Lawson. 
or not. That guy no. is he he's a he's a uh, Reformed Baptist. So he's you know he's in the John MacArthur Phil Johnson crowd you know out there with Grace. I mean he's he's down south I think in I want to say Alabama but I'm not sure. Doesn't matter. The point is is I mean this guy's all law all the time, but his law preaching is not wrong. He just doesn't ever preach the gospel. <laughs> uh, so I mean and while we can fault him for that, we can say you know Dr. Lawson you should probably preach the gospel every so often. That'd be you know be good if you did. Um, and he does, but uh, but but his main emphasis is on obedience, you know, following the commands of Holy Scripture, you know, God's law. Okay, um, the 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 problem with it is, is you know, with with folks who say, oh, you know, when I was an evangelical, all I did was underline the law passages. Okay, well, you should have underlined the gospel <laughs> passage too, but you, yeah. but you should take both both seriously. Just because you're a Lutheran right. now doesn't mean you forget about the law passages. They're still there. <laughs> They're still very much there. Yeah. Um, and, and the difference is, you know, and, and that's the, the thing I think that I, where I feel bad inside myself for the evangelicals is they don't, the, 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 the bridge to the sacraments is just a bridge way too far for them. So to talk to them about, you know, baptismal rege- regeneration, to talk, talk to them about real presence in the Lord's Supper is just, you know, the, oh, can't, I can't even go there. And those are sources of, you know, that's sources of grace that's the means of grace for us and that's that's how we that's where we get our power to love god's law you know and that's what i don't get about some lutherans is they love the lord's supper they love baptism they love you know the power in god's word uh mm. you know for for the gospel but then they they don't get out there and, and you know proclaim from the mountaintops we have been given the power to obey god's word and you know, and and so so the evangelicals are great on some things. They're great on emphasizing Bible reading. I mean, you don't. When I was an evangelical, I mean, I've gotten back to it. I started doing my old evangelical practices of, you know, reading the Bible through a couple times a year. You know, go me. You know, but but that, <laughs> you, I mean, that's the thing is if and I, I say this all the time to to this to the teenagers at my church. I'm like, if you're not reading your Bible, you're wrong. You're wrong. You have to know, you know, sorry. I mean, I know we're Lutherans and we believe we're saved by grace through faith, but that doesn't mean that you don't get to, I mean, you let your Bible collect dust. Um, the evangelicals are great about sharing the gospel with people. I mean, now granted, they've got a false motive they're proceeding from. They, you know, if, you know, if you really believe what evangelical Armenians believe, that if we don't share the gospel with people and don't share it in a certain way that they might go to hell. Okay, well, that's, that's kind of a, a false motive, but at the same time, at least they're sharing the gospel with people. Um, you know, and I, you know, that's that's not a bad thing to do is to talk to people about about faith, and that's what I found so great about you know how our confessions you know illuminate God's word as far as far as the word and the sacraments go, and how these things line up with things like evangelism. You know, because I have no problem. I mean, I used to be scared to death, even, you know, even when I was bold, a bold evangelical and I'd go up to people like, you know, like the Campus Crusade guys, if you died tonight, do you know you would go to heaven? We would do this, right? Um, we'd get out yeah. there and do those bold things and people would, you know, kick us to the curb and laugh at us or whatever, or we might get in a conversation, but we didn't care. We would, you know, we would, we would go forth, but you know, that anxiety is kind of, 
it's still there, obviously, but it's not yeah. it's not this crushing anxiety like, you know, I have to you know, somehow manipulate this person into into faith. You know, the the Holy Spirit is the one doing the work here. I'm just the vessel that's, you know, and um and I find myself sharing the gospel in a more in a way you were talking about, you know, loving those, you know, like loving our homosexual neighbors. You know, I've got friends here in Fort Wayne that are caught in that sin. And and I, I never worry about uh, about telling them the truth because because I understand how law and gospel works. And so it's it's so and I, it's not that it's not even just that I don't worry about it. It's that I it's that wonder of wonders. I do it out of a motive that I'm not trying to. I mean, that was the thing is that evangelical we used to, you know, keep track of how many people you know, we converted like they were notches on our spiritual belt. You're like, oh, I, I led this many people to Christ in my lifetime. Guys used to get up and brag about this at rallies. Oh, I've led you know, a thousand people to Christ. Or I've, we've had this many. I mean, numbers were a big thing with us evangelicals. And so, um, yeah. so, so there was this kind of this false motive behind all of this. And it's when you understand um, the word and the sacraments, uh, again, I, as articulated by our confessions, it, it allows you to share the gospel. It allows you to evangelize in a way where you where where you say my concern is for this person, not for you know what how what what this is going to gain me. Um, but but it's the flip side of that. It seems it seems like we you know we we struggle with that. I think uh, Lutherans struggle with the whole uh, you know personal evangelism thing. And I think we could take some cues from the evangelicals on this. You know to say that. Hey, you know, how many of your neighbors know that you're that you're a Christian? You know, do you talk to them about these things? How many of your coworkers know these things? Um, you know, are are you reading your Bible? You know, is that a discipline for you? Do, are you praying with you know on your own and with your family? You know, these are these are spiritual disciplines we used to take very very seriously as evangelicals, and we that's that's no different as a Lutheran just because. We have an emphasis on the means of grace and justification. Doesn't mean we're exempted from personal prayer and Bible study. That's that's that shouldn't be. A, that seems like I don't know. You tell me what you think. That seems like a dirty word around <clears throat> some Lutheran circles. You know, personal holiness, personal evangelism, personal prayer and Bible study. You know, um, these are things I think the evangelicals are are good at, and we could we could maybe take some some cues from in a sense. Um, but but you even mentioned purpose. So, you know, Rick Warren, the reason Rick Warren is so famously popular is because one thing that I think especially Americans suffer from is kind of this existential crisis. Like, what am I here for? What am I supposed to be doing? Somebody yeah. give me some purpose in life. Yeah. And yeah. and Rick Warren kind of filled that void. Um, and, sure did. And I, and I think that we Lutherans miss that sometimes because when we talk about having purpose, of course we have a purpose in life. Read Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments, the first part of the catechism. There's your purpose, people. Get after <laughs> it, you know. Um, and and you know, and expound on that to talk about this. This is the this is what we were designed to do. This is how we were made to live. And uh, and and we we don't have to get. The, the the mistake the evangelicals make is they have they get so specific about you know what's God's calling on your life are you called to be a doctor a nurse a school teacher a truck driver a, a pastor or whatever um, and, and and who are you supposed to marry you know that that was the big one that was the big one when I was in that world was oh you you know God has 
has the right person for you and you've got to find oh that person and that's well that's pressure that's pressure um and so and so it's so freeing to say that um no no god doesn't necessarily have a specific person plan for you to marry he has some guidelines some broad guidelines to say okay you want to marry somebody these are the these are the parameters but otherwise anybody in these parameters is you know there's tons of freedom in that there's tons of freedom in god's law um and so i you know that's the thing is i i don't think we lutherans should shy away from talking about purpose you know god has given us god does has a does have a wonderful purpose for our life as uh, yeah. as bill bright would say um we we should devote ourselves to to reading god's word and praying and these sorts of things i don't know that's that's what i hear you saying and that's what it sounds like you know some lights came on for you i don't know uh maybe maybe fix my extremism a little bit <laughs> <laughs> all right well look as far as people being in the scriptures i think that's i think that's good i mean i think it's great when fathers for example can pray with their children uh before they go to bed at night mm-hmm. maybe even sing them a couple hymns i i've tried to do that off and on um over the past 16 years and, you know, my kids, I think, like hymns because of that, um, partially. I sang them some of the ones that I, I loved the most, and I would sing. <laughs> Your kid was right behind the door there, coming in the room. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's funny. He's peeking in there real quick. Yeah. I told mine not to come in, too, but they might sneak in at they some point. They might sneak in. Okay. But uh, I, think that's, I think that's a wonderful thing you can do is to, you know, sing them hymns. I am Jesus' little lamb that kind of thing when they're young and, uh, you know, read to them devotional materials. Uh, talk to your pastor. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be some great Christian to do family devotions. Um, just be like, this is, this is what we want to do together as a family. You know, we want to spend some time um, hearing God's word, uh, sitting at Jesus' feet together and yeah, I mean that's definitely something that's doable. Um, well, first, first make sure you try to do some family dinners, <laughs> because that's because even non Christians will tell you that's really important. Um, sure. It's really important time to be able to do that, even though it doesn't always seem right to me because there's just a lot of like, um, you know, uh, kids fighting and you know, <laughs> I got I got five boys and they're not always really nice to each other. Uh, oh really? They- <laughs> You're, yeah, I don't know why. I can't figure it out. Yeah, that's that's weird. Yeah, so anyway, yeah, I think these things are doable. Uh I think that maybe in the past uh, it may have even been it may have been pretty hard for a lot of people. Um they might have had more than a 40-hour work week. Um you know, going back to times before the reformation, you might not have had a bible around. Uh you couldn't necessarily own a bible. I know that even St. John Chrysostom in, like, what, the 4th and 5th century, he talked about how it'd be great, you know, if every Christian could have the scriptures in his own home. And that was kind of like the dream of the Christian church for a long time. People like Chrysostom giving voice to that. And then, of course, you know, with the printing press, it just makes a lot of things, uh, makes that possible. Uh, and so we have been incredibly gifted. I mean, we live in an era of great abundance. I mean, it's just overwhelming the abundance that we have. But 
but the things, the cares, the pleasures that we chase, it's mm-hmm. just, oh yeah. man, I mean, we're, we're, we're kind of squandering some time, I think. Uh, yeah. I mean, oh. it's like, God, God, give me the desire, give me the desire for the things of you, you know, give me the desire for your commandments, give me the desire to see your face, not like the charismatic and the evangelicals talk about it but no to really to hunger after the presence that you give us in the simple and humble bread and wine and the lord's supper i mean as i get older it just becomes more important to me uh than it ever was when i was a kid um you know i i just wasn't too impressed with that uh Mm. for a long time and i think that's kind of why evangelicalism for a while uh, kind of had a real appeal to me. I mean, yes, I was doing the Bible study, but I was around all these Christians who were always talking about things like evangelism and, uh, you know, going on mission trips and going to China and, you know, spending two months in the summer in Vietnam, (laughs) things like that. I mean, that was kind of exciting. Um, and really I think, you know, things like the sacraments, I knew they were important and I would push back. Uh, when people would, uh, you know, say they weren't or whatever, but uh, but it it just means a whole lot more to me now. Right. So I, I think, yeah, there's all kinds of things that we can be doing. Uh, we have all these gifts today that uh, we didn't necessarily have in the past. And um, hmm, I was going to say some other things too. Now I've well, kind of I- lost my train of. No, there, no. You, you said you said a lot, and I wanted to. Oh man, I had a few things in mind, but okay, sorry. Well, hang it, no, hang it. Go ahead. Let me, <laughs> let, me uh, let me shut this door real quick. Oh yeah, I got Matthew. I got. Um, I know. I know what I wanted to say. Let me say this real quick. Oh yeah, go for it. So you talked about the evangelicals, you know, thinking that if we don't share the gospel, everyone's going to go to hell and everything like that. Well, I would say that. <sighs> kind of light a fire under your butt a little bit. Um, yeah, I think we ought to confess when we think that, you know, we're the ones that are going to, uh, you know, save people. Because yeah. Jesus did that. Right. He did that at the cross. Yeah. Um, he took God's wrath upon himself. He took all of our sins into himself and uh, took the brunt of our punishment and then ra- raised from the dead on the third day. Um and he grants us faith. You know, he brings us into his kingdom. And that's wonderful. But let's also maybe also <laughs> confess the times where we don't think we matter at all. <laughs> because, I mean, that message has got to be proclaimed by somebody, right? Yeah. And this is something that Lutherans are going to, I mean, which Lutheran is going to really want to spend a whole lot of time on the Apostle Paul when he talks about how, you know, uh, by God's grace, you know, that, that I might save some. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You know, where he uses language like that, it's like, hey, man, that's biblical language, and we should be comfortable using that language, too, to some degree, even as we recognize that we live from the grace of God and that anything— um, any desire that we have to serve him, to share his gospel with other people, that's all from him. Uh, right. And we we simply, we are his vessels. We trust. We depend. Uh, first, uh, first, first when it comes to the gospel, um, also when it comes to all of his commands. You know, not right. just his command to 
come to the feast, but everything that he says. And um, if we think that we have absolutely no role in other people coming to faith in Christ, mm. yeah, that's not a good thing either. So, right. um, But that can also be a very invigorating thing, too. I mean, yeah, that yeah. can give you a, a sense of purpose, um, not just in your vocation and the things that you do every day, but, um, you know, which by which you can glorify God and all that you do, um, but also learning how to uh, have conversations with people about your about your faith and learning, learning how to uh, ask good questions to people and to yeah. kind of find out where they're at. Yeah. So um, that's that's kind of invigorating, too. I mean, it's scary. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember being really scared about it, but. On the other hand, uh, you know, as, as we get older, you know, when those opportunities come up <clears throat> and it seems like God has just given you this opportunity, um, that's also just a wonderful thing to be yeah. able to do that. And, I mean, kind of like what, what, what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was just thinking earlier today just how much I was looking forward to talking with you um, yeah, because how good it is for brothers to dwell in unity and to just have that fellowship but uh even getting a chance to talk with non-christians uh can be so wonderful and and this really uh i've got to say i am not necessarily a natural like super gifted evangelist by any means i'm not really i think that anybody like the more you grow in your faith the more you know about christ and all the good gifts that he's given us I think that your opportunities, the possibilities of having those conversations with non-believers, they're going to increase because all truth is God's truth, right? Yeah. And everything is everything is connected. <laughs> everything yeah. is connected with with what God has done uh, in the creation, uh, in the redemption, and everything else. So we're always going to, um, you know, we're going to have those opportunities. But um, yeah, yeah, what, it, yeah. I mean. Well, no, I just want to say about the opportunity thing, what what I found just really um, invigorating is j- just that. I mean, there's there's hardly a week that goes by that without even trying, you know, I, I can get into conversations with people about stuff, you know, and I'm not saying that if, if you're, you know, if that's not happening with you, what I'm not putting that on anybody, but but just to say that, look, you know, and, and I especially love it because you know, I, I like Jonah, you know, what is it? 40 days and then the judgment. That's my sermon. You know, if you want to talk to me about, about religion, you want to talk to me about Christianity, you want to get into the deep stuff of life, 40 days and then the judgment. I'm not, a, you know, I, I feel free to, to preach the truth. That's why, again, as a Christian cake baker, <laughs> I would I would feel free to say, you know, and again, you don't have to be like Jonah. Uh, I don't think you have to be that way. I think um, you can be sensitive to the culture. Um, and, you know, and I think that's part of being sensitive to people. Uh, but at the same time, that's not, that's, that is not what wins people to the gospel is, you know, how sensitive you are. That's, you, it just, you, you know, just present the straight stuff. And that's why, um, you know, when people talk to me about, you know, Redeemer here in town, people ask me, well, what's your church like? And I generally tell them, I said, well, if you came to our church, you would probably think we're Roman Catholics. Okay. So, um, and not Lutherans. But, 
but I would I would not hesitate if one of my neighbors, you know, and they all know, if one of my neighbors said, hey, we want to go to church with you, I'd be like, come on, you know, um, you know, I don't, you know, people, my, my mother and father, whatever, you know, I'm not, it doesn't, um, it doesn't worry me to, to present the, the straight truth because as an evangelical, you know, I was always trying to, you know, uh, angle myself and, and spin it and manipulate it and make it sound, you know, and basically sugarcoat it, make it sound great. And, you know, 40 days and then the judgment, you can preach like that. And if the Holy Spirit is granting repentance, the people will repent. I, I love what my pastor, Pastor Peterson, says about this. You know, the angels in heaven are not up there wringing their hands over the people they are, that are lost. They are rejoicing over the one that is found. And yeah. that's, that's the that's emphasis. Great. Mr. Nathan Rennie, ladies and gentlemen, thank you to Nathan for coming on the program. Thank you to all of you listening in Nebraska on KNNA The Cross. Thank you to all of you who are checking out themessedupchurch.com. Please continue to seek us out there and other resources we've got available on uh, on our website there. Also, don't forget, go to laymanstermsradio.org and donate to the Kenya Well Project per podcast or with a one-time donation. Thanks again. We'll see you next week.